you have your Bibles, let's go ahead and turn them to Psalm 139. Uh, if you already looked in your talk notes, you cheated. Um, I prefer you all to wait until I tell you. And so Psalm, Psalm 139, it's in the middle of your Bible, uh, about 139 verses in. Uh, Emma, are you trying to speed me up or get me out of here? Uh, one of those two? All right. Um, so we are, we are spending some weeks uh, in the book of Psalms, and, and I think... Uh, what we're trying to do is allow these words to shape how we think and how we feel uh, just toward God. And, and so we started uh, a couple weeks ago in Psalm number 1 where uh, we were wrestling with the difference between having an actual delight in God versus following Him in some sort of religious obligation. Uh, that the fact that He saved you, that you said, well, I guess i got to be on His team now. Uh, but, but rather that, that when we delight in Him, uh, we, find, we find some trust being established, we find our faith growing, and we start to begin to understand why certain things happen the way that, that they do. And then we walked uh, through uh, Psalm 117 during a communion service. Well, uh, the psalmist reminds us that we should enthusiastically celebrate God uh, for uh, his, his steadfast love that is with us and that his, uh, his faithfulness endures forever. And then two weeks ago, uh, we arrived in Psalm 24 while we kind of listened to David's heart as he ponders the, the ownership and the holiness of God. And that leads him to ask a very simple question that, that if God is so holy, who could walk into His presence? Who has the right to stand uh, before Him? Who can ascend the holy hill of the Lord, as He says? And, and what we found out is, is we get to celebrate that psalm on uh, the other side of the cross where David was looking towards Him. Uh, we get to celebrate it in Jesus that, that as He says, lift up, O gates, uh, that, that we get to walk into the presence of God in the wake of King Jesus. Uh, that because of what Christ has done for us, we get to walk into the throne room of God um, without fear, without trepidation, uh, because we have access and intimacy uh, with Him. And so, uh, while I was at summer camp, uh, you know, canoeing and fishing and all that, I didn't do any fishing because um, I don't fish. I don't know why I said that. Um, but while I was at summer camp, uh, in, in, the, in the evenings, Keith, uh, who finished off our session last week, uh, he taught in the evenings, and I had the privilege of getting to teach the, the kids uh, in the mornings, which I love to do. It's a part that uh, I think every year Keith kind of wants me not to do it, but I refuse to because it's the only time of the year I really get to teach our kids, our merge kids, uh, and I love it. Uh, I love getting to spend time with them. I want them to understand that I'm not just their parents' pastor, uh, that I'm theirs, that I am, I am for them. Uh, and so... Uh, we were talking about God's incredible love for us, and it drew me to uh, this psalm, Psalm 139. And uh, while I was teaching it, I, was, I felt God saying, hey, adults need to hear this as well. Uh, and so here's what we're doing, uh, is, is I'm going to share with you essentially what I shared with them. Uh, and so we're going to walk through this together, uh, and, uh, and I, think it's, I think it's so beneficial. It's good for my heart. And my prayer is that it's good for yours. And so let's pray, and then we'll get into it. Father, we come to you, and we are so very thankful that we can come to you just as we are, 
And we are so very thankful that that You don't love us just enough to leave us there. And I pray as we get to, uh, for some of us, as we get to celebrate Psalm 139, that, that we would be able to make much of Your Son because of that. And I pray for those of us here who, um, who are going to wrestle with Psalm 139, that we would be very mindful of Your, your compassion for us and your, your care for us. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Alright, so Psalm 139. Let me give you the, the rundown. It's written by uh, King David. Uh, David is a significant player in the story of God as you are in the, the Old Testament. And uh, he goes from uh, shepherding sheep as almost uh, a forgotten son in a big family to shepherding a nation into uh, the greatest days of their history. And and all along, there are some really incredible highs with David, and then God cares about him. In fact, there's a huge covenant that God makes with David uh, that we find uh, through the line of David, King Jesus comes to reign. Uh, and so, so as he writes this psalm, uh, I, I need to confess with you as we get to some of these verses uh, that I personally, I don't know if you have a love-hate relationship with parts of the Bible, um, but I, I very much do. Uh, and, and Psalm 139 brings that out in me. Uh, when, when I was younger, especially in my teenage years, uh, this psalm, well, there's no better way to say it, it bothered me. Uh, and, it, and it bothered me greatly, uh, because uh, mainly because it exposed parts of my life I didn't want God to be aware of. Uh, and, and as I grew older, these, roads be, the, these words continued to expose parts of my life that I preferred stayed in the darkness. And, and it affected how I considered the ways that God sees me. And then secondly, as I considered the ways that God cares for me. And my struggle came as I considered uh, sinful parts of my life that I very honestly wanted to continue pursuing while also wanting to keep God out of those places. It's, it's almost, uh, I don't know if you have a layer in your heart, um, not like a, a headquarters, but like a, and a villain layer, you know, where you don't want anybody in it, and, and you put it on the door, no God allowed, right? Uh, we'll be good as long as you stay out of this zone. Uh, and and so, so 139 exposed me, because what happens is, is David brings the truth that there is no place in my heart, there's no place in my life, there's no place in this world that God does not have an awareness of uh, or influence in and, and control over. This is what he says, that, that there's no place. There's no place where God doesn't reach. And, uh, and if, you want to, if you want things to stay in the dark in your life, then you need to understand that 139 stands against you in some ways. Uh, that uh, because you're playing this fool's game since, since God sees you even if you keep your eyes closed. You ever play that game with the kid? Like, well, if I don't see you, then you don't exist. Uh, and we both know that that, that doesn't work. Uh, and so, so a few years ago, let me kind of bring you up to speak. I, one, I love 139 now. Okay, that's spoiler alert. Love it now. But back then, had great problems with it. And the difference was a couple years ago, as I started to read the Bible, and I started to experience God's heart being for me. That God cares 
about me and how I viewed the way God cares for me began to change everything. The Holy Spirit began revealing in my heart the, the incredible amount of love that God has for me, uh, how sacrificial He is for me uh, through, through Jesus and, and how His desire is, is first for His glory and that those, those parts of my life that I want to keep in the dark, um, He brings that into the light but not to shame me, but to reveal how deadly and dangerous those places are. Uh, and he wants to, uh, to, to reveal those things so that he can show greater joys that he has as we walk with him. That God isn't in the business of shaming you as much as he's in the business of liberating you. Uh, and so, so as I read the Bible, this is what I start to understand, that, that God really is for me. That God really does care about me. And I don't know what kind of church culture you grew up in, but and, and, and I can't blame all of my dysfunction on that. A lot of it was just my own uh, sinfulness and my own uh, guilt that I was bringing to the equation. Uh, but, but it's through this lens that I hope we're able to, to walk through 139 together. That, that, uh, that we would be able to join with David as he thinks of God's great care for him and he celebrates the intimacy uh, that, that we can share with God through Jesus. And, and again, along the way, I'm just going to give you some very simple thoughts uh, that, that kind of bring us into um, understanding better what, what David is saying. And so, uh, and, and what I pray is that through this, our affections would be stirred uh, and God would be made much of this morning. And so, so here's where we start. Emma, are you ready to go? All right, thank you for not running ahead of me. Uh, Emma would have already been done with all the blanks and you all would have filled them out and walked out the door and I'd still been in the first prayer. All right, so this is how he starts, okay? Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. And this is where Younger Bag came across this verse and was already on the ropes. Because the way I read it was, Oh Lord... Uh, all right. You have searched this and you have known this. And, and now here's what I know. I've always been a good kid and I've always tried to be a good person. Um, and there's a great difference. Jesus stands against the Pharisees because he says your issue in your life is that you look good. Um, but, but inside there are things going on that are anything but good. They're sinful. All right? It's not necessarily good and bad, it's sinful, which leads to death. And so, so I've always tried to, though I've had clean hands, uh, what was going on inside early on was a completely different animal altogether. Because there's temptations, there's emotions, there's desires, there's, there's expectations. And all of these were just a mess. And the thought that God would search me and know me terrified me. Just, just terrify me because my fear was that he would know me, I would be exposed, and that he wouldn't want me any longer. And now here's the thing, if, if, that, if you have walked in those shoes with me, if you are in those shoes, you need to know that that thought right there is from the enemy. Always. Because God is always for you. God is always with you. And so, so my fear was that he would know that and he would not want me. And, and I read these words and I never paid attention to the punctuation. Uh, what's there? Any of you English teachers, what is that? What do we call that? 
Exclam- Sandy, you whisper it as if you were wrong, but yet, exclamation point. And now here's the thing, as I read it growing up, early on, this is where I was. I didn't have an exclamation point. I slid in that emoji of the scared face, right? Like, you know me. You searched me and you know I'm, I'm exposed, I'm found out. But that's not what David does here, is it? No, he, he, he puts in this exclamation point which brings to the table excitement. It brings us this, this, this notion that God knows me. In fact, uh, and, and so, so this, this brings us the posture. He considers how God has searched him and known him. And this his punctuation leads him toward adoration. And this is the first thing you can write down in your talk notes. That God knows me. God knows me. And like the other songs that we've been kind of walking down... Verse 1 kind of lays a foundation for the rest of what follows. Alright? If we struggle with the fact that God knows me, then we're going to have a hard time getting behind the adoration that follows in these words. This is, this is our foundation that God knows me. And what I believe is happening, uh, what I hope is happening, is, is David is like me, is that he knows what's going on and he realizes God's willingness to love him despite of those feelings, um, despite of those temptations. And this, this brings him to an excitement because God's love is unfailing and His faithfulness is everlasting. And the good news, the good news for us today is because we are no different than David here. That the same intimate relationship that David shares, we share. Okay? And, and, so, and so, but God knows us. But more than that, we go to verse 2. Alright? You know when I sit down, you know when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar, you search out my path and my lying down, and are acquainted with all of my ways. Okay? Uh, verse 4. Even before a word is on my, what? Tongue. Behold, O Lord, you know it all together. Now, there are times you say, oh, Lord, right? Even before word is on my tongue, you know it all together. And here's what we write down is that verses 2 through 4 tell us that God knows me better than I know myself. God knows me better than I were. Have you ever had a word that escaped your mouth? All right. Maybe you didn't mean to say it or at least you didn't mean for it to be heard. Have you ever been surprised about a word that came out of your mouth? Like, where'd that come from? Who said that? Oh, it was me. Yeah. David says, David says, God knows this about me. Basically, God knows the unfiltered part of me. Okay, let that wash over you for a moment. That God knows the unfiltered part. The unfiltered compartments of your life. And he knows where my steps are. He's acquainted with all my ways. In those moments where where I can surprise myself with my actions, with my reactions, I am I am no surprise to God. Alright? Let that wash over you for a moment too. That there's never been a moment of your life God's like, Woof didn't expect that to happen. That he, he knows this about you. He's your constant source of of refuge. He knows it 
altogether. And then we get to verse number 5. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Verse 6, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I, I, I can't, it's, it's out of my reach. That's how incredible this knowledge is. It's, it's too wonderful. I can't get to it. So here's what we write down. That God not only knows me, He's near to me. He is near to me. One of the greatest promises we hear from God in the Bible, established through His covenant that He makes with us through Christ, is that He will never leave you, He will never forsake you. He will never walk away from you. Uh, and, and, and David says, you hem me in. And this is not a gentle word, by the way. Uh, that this isn't like, hey God, you tuck me in real nicely at the end of the night and you put the sheets underneath me just the way I like it so I'm as snug as a bug in a rug. Right? No, this word that he uses, the Hebrew word, it's called tesur. That's not the way you pronounce it, but that's the way we do it nasal. T S U R. All right? Uh, and it means to besiege. It means, and so David looks at me and says, You're all over me. He says, You are all over me. That he lays his hand upon you. And so as we read that, okay? the way, depending on your perspective of God, will determine how you experience this verse. You lay your hand upon me. Alan, come here. Yeah, sorry, bud. You're the closest. I know you were trying to warm up because you're underneath the fan of doom, apparently. Um, but, hey, can I borrow you for a morning? No. All right, too bad. Uh, so, so, just stand here. Don't move, all right? Don't make me regret this decision. All right. Right now, I'm leaning toward regret. So, um, so, so, if you're a parent, I, I think you you know the difference in how you lay your hand on your child, right? That there are moments, right, where you you put right here, and it looks like you're oh, giving him a nice massage, right? But really, you're letting him know I'm in control of this moment, right? And if I want us to go over here, we're going to go over here. And then if I decide we're going to go over here, and all you think is, oh, what a loving moment, right? Between, oh my God, I just love this kid so much, right? Right? So, so there's that. And so, so if God is controlling to you, right? If God is mad at you, you get to a verse like this, you lay your hand upon me, and sometimes you feel... It's like this, okay? But, but David's excited, isn't he? David, David's wrapped up in this thought that God knows him, that, that, that there's such knowledge, it's too wonderful, I, I can't attain it. He says, you lay your hand upon me. And now, what happens, what's the difference between this and this? Alright, Alan's not as tense anymore, Right? A moment ago, Alan's like, I don't know what's happening here. But now we're here. And there's trust that gets established. There's intimacy that gets established. There's, rela- there's hearts being shared here. When we get to, God, you laid your hand upon me. And when we read the, the God of the Bible, we see this is how he cares for us as a father does a son. That fathers want the best for them. Except for yours. He barely likes you. Um, and so, so there's, there's a big difference in, thank you, Alan, um, go, go put your arms inside your shirt again. 
Um, so, so how we how we depending on how you view God depends on how we read verses like that. You lay your hand on me. You put your hand on me, and it's a big, big difference. And my feeling is that though David feels God is all over him, his hand here is a welcomed experience because it leaves David in a sense of wonder. It's too much. My prayer for us is that we would experience a relationship with God in such an intimate way that we get to this point where we say, I I don't know if I can take any more of this. It's so incredible. It's so deep. It's so rich. And so, so David says, you besiege me. And then he ponders a powerful question in verse 7. He says, where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there, which is essentially hell. Uh, if, I, if I take the wings of the morning, which is a really lame name for a band, right? Wings of, we're wings of the morning. Um, they only play covers of like 80s Christian rock, and it's all like Petra all the time. Uh, and if you know who Petra is, you are welcome for that one. Uh, if I take the wings of the morning and I dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even... Don't move. Don't move, Emma. Even... No. I said don't move. All right. There we go. We practiced this like at 4.30 this morning. Um, I'm just joking. Even there. And then he's going to say something about the nearness of God. Okay? So I want you to pay attention. And so, so he says this. Now go. Even there... Your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. Okay, so so David's not fighting God here. David is so thrilled that there's not a place. There's not a place. Here's what you write down. God holds me and leads me wherever I am. That, that, that there is no place God's love doesn't reach. There is no place. There is no place He can't change instantly. There's no place He doesn't see affliction and oppression that He isn't willing to provide rescue in. There's, there's no place. And when we can learn to trust that where He is leading, uh, we will be able to walk in step with Him into those deep places we feel we're trapped in. And that, that will be led toward some wide open fields where freedom is most definitely experienced. Verse 11 says this. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to who? You. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day for darkness is as light to you. So here's what we need to know about these two verses is that God is close to me when life is hard. And right in that moment, as you heard those words, you say, I don't know. I don't I don't know, because if he's if he's close to me when life is hard, then clearly things would have played out differently. Clearly in my suffering, he would have responded differently. And there's a lot of different reasons for the way God plays things out. Okay? And I'm not saying that they're as fair as we would like them to be. 
They're as comfortable as we would like them to be. They're as instantaneous as we would like them to be. Have you ever had a, ever had a long night? Maybe, maybe not just a long night, but a long season, a moment where you say, I, I, I think I'm going to die. I don't, I don't see how we get out of this. And I think partly that's the testing ground of your faith. But I also think it's this pursuit that God says, hey, I will get glory in all ways at all times in your life. Always. Just because it's dark to you doesn't mean God is just as blind. Okay? Uh, he, he's not... Uh, before Him, darkness flees in a way is revealed. I, I read this article this week um, from Vanitha Rendell Reisner. Alright? That's Vanitha. That's a powerful name, right? Um, anyways, the article is called, If God is with me, uh, why did this happen? Uh, and I found it on the desire. Did you read it? Yeah, you, it was pretty good, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a little long in the middle, but no, I'm joking. Um, she said this, and I thought it was beautiful. Is that she says that God doesn't love your suffering; He loves you. Uh, he will walk with you through the darkest valleys and will never ever leave you. When God brings trials into your life, don't question His love or turn away. God is doing something breathtaking in you, for you, through you. Because the Lord is with you and because the Lord loves you, everything that happens to you is filled with divine purpose. Every trial you endure has passed through God's loving hands. Now, that's, that's a notion right there, right? That every trial you endure has passed through God's loving hands. Uh, and one day when your faith becomes sight, you will thank Him for every difficulty. And now, here's the thing. For some of us, that sounds like pie in the sky. It sounds like, yeah, that sounds like a Christian person saying a very Christian-like thing, but my turmoil today is anything but Christian-y to me. It's painful and it hurts. Uh, and I think, here's what we need to understand that the, from the verses 11 through 12, that no matter the darkness that is lurking or surrounding, our proximity to God shines light revealing where to step. Always. As we trust and as we press in, uh, to him, we can begin to understand uh, both his strength and his provision. And then we get to verse 13. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and I am wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul, my soul, not just my brain, but my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret. Intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Verse 16, your eyes saw my unformed substance and your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. So here's what we write down, that God knows me and I can praise Him. God knows me. I can praise Him. That our knowledge of God leads to our intimacy with God. You hear me when I say that? Our knowledge of God leads to our intimacy with God. And you say, I don't know much about God. And my question to you is, are you searching for Him? And you say, well, I mean, yeah. I listen to Christian music. No, no. Like, do you seek Him out? Do you, do you meditate on His Word day and night? 
Do you come in and are you exploring the heart of the Father? You're like, ah, I'm really, I'm really busy. You're not too busy for that. That's food for your soul. Our knowledge of God leads to our intimacy with God. And David says, you didn't just throw me together. That wasn't just an accident. He says, no, you intricately wove me together. You, you know my days and you walk with me. And then verse 14, he makes a choice. As he considers the movement of God in his life, he makes a choice and he says, I praise you. And understand that, that the choice of praise is exactly that. It's a choice. It's a choice. At times, that choice can be a fight from circumstances and it can be more difficult. And, and that's, that's fair. I hear you. I hear you. There's some days I know you come here very reluctantly. Um, there's some moments you say, you know, I want to do anything but the loving thing. And that, that's fair. But nothing is fair. Because again, if we go back to the garden, fairness died there. Because what we deserve is death. And yet God loves us through that. And other times the choice can be much easier. I, these days for me, you know, uh, it's easy to praise God. I love when we're gathered together and we get to praise God together. I love when we serve together because we get to praise God together. I love, I love when we get to um, join together in Merge groups because I get to see what God is doing here at Merge. And that's, that's a beautiful and it's a powerful thing. And, and now granted, not all circumstances of life will, will propel you into praise. Okay, uh, for, for every wonderful are your works, my soul knows it very well. Uh, David will equally, almost equally, uh, come in the Psalms and say, like, hey, what's going on? Like, these people are coming to kill me. Where are you? Why, why am I so depressed right now? Why is my soul downcast? Okay, so, so David is very on, I mean, he's very even kilter about that. Okay, but, but, but the choice found in 139 verse 14 is helpful to us because as we consider the immense power of God to put us together, to know us while we're in the womb, to love us, we realize that we are always one choice away from giving God the praise He deserves. Then we get to 17 and 18. and We're, we're not going all the way through. Some of you are like, oh my gosh, we still have a lot of... We're, we're stopping at 18, alright? Because it's time. All right, so we get to 17 and 18. I, I love, love what David says here. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. Then he says this. I awake. And I'm still with you. Have, have you ever had a dream that you woke up too early from? And you're like, I want to go back to that dream. Right? And so you're like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to go back to sleep. Maybe I'll fall back into that dream. Right? Have you ever had a dream like that? And David says, this is, this is our relationship. Like, like, I wake up and it's still there. I get to do this again with you. Every moment I get to spend with you. You've been on a date like that that you, never, you didn't want to end? Right? You're like, let's just live in this moment. You ever been on an adventure that, or a vacation? You're like, oh, got to go back. But you're like, no, I want to live here for the rest of my life because I think I could live on a resort for the rest of my life and have people fix my food and my bedroom and stuff. That's fine. I'll make some adjustments, you know, like talking to people in my family. Um, but, you know, 
Not that I've thought about living at a resort very often. Um, but, but David says, this isn't a dream. He's like, when I wake up, you're, you're still here. And you still care about me. And you still, you still love me. And, and I love the imagery because David wakes and God is still near to him. And, and this is the life that God makes available to us. He says, I'm, I'm always there. I, I can't believe I get to do this again. And we, we start wrapping this up, Swan. Now, let, me, let me tell you about the danger that I, that I fear in us from this psalm um, so that we can deal with that. Uh, the, the danger I fear in, in how we've kind of walked through these verses this morning uh, is, that, is that you would hear me say things like, like God knows the areas of, the, of your life that you aren't proud of. Uh, the areas of your life that you're trying to hide from everyone, uh, including him and sometimes including yourself, uh, that you would hear me say that, that, that he knows all your sinful temptations, all your shortfallings, and that he doesn't care about them because he just loves you. Okay? The danger that I fear is that you would hear me say that, and that's not what I'm trying to say to you. Okay? Because God does care. Uh, that his wrath burns against sin. His judgment falls against sin. That he does love you, but he loves you too much to leave you in tolerating sin in your heart. Okay? I want to make that perfectly clear. I think this is in part why when we get to the end of this psalm that David will say things like, uh, hey, uh, search me out. Continue searching me. See if there is a grievous way in me. Lead me into the way of everlasting. That there are things in your life, okay? Hear me when I say this. There are things in your life that God is telling you to stop doing. And there are things in your life that God is telling you, hey, you need to begin putting these things into practice. That is very much true. Some of those things are universal um, for the whole church. And some of those things are very specific for you. Okay, are you with me on that? Does that make sense? Okay, I want to make sure I'm very clear about that. Um, and my prayer is that you would have a desire to hear the Holy Spirit speak to you about those things. And then secondly, you would have the courage to walk in them. Okay? Uh, and so, 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 so this, this psalm has changed my life. It really has. It's changed form uh, over the years. Very, very clearly has changed form. Uh, it's not changed theology, but it has changed the way I wear these words. Because if I'm, if I'm trying to hide from God, some of these words will take the form of complaints. Where can I go? Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I go that you're not going to be? Because that's where I want to be right now. I just want to be away from you. And that very clearly isn't the intention. But that's the way I've worn these words. Tell me the place I can go hide and I'll hide. And if I'm trying to wear it that way, this comes off as, as complaints. And, and they're, like, they're like the big brother that's being annoyed by the little brother who's following him around. He's like, just stop following me. Maybe you've told God this. Hey, I know. I know what, to, I know what I'm doing. Stop following me around. Stop telling me that that's a bad idea. I don't, I don't care. You ever been in that? And if you have, you're not alone. 
You're not alone. First of all, we are all just as jacked up as you are. And the guy is just as near. And he loves you too much to let you stay there. Hear me. He loves you too much to let you stay there. He says, you say, hey, I'm gone. I just want you to leave me alone. He's like, no. Because where you are going is going to kill you. That's, that's where it leads you, death. Like, no, no, it's going to be fun. And then it will kill you. But if, if my desire is to know God in deeper ways, to cherish Him with my whole life, uh, then these thoughts are a reminder to me. They remind me of God's great power, of His great desire uh, to seek out His glory to help me see his, his involvement in every season of my life, uh, since He works all things toward the glory of His name, and since He's promised me His presence in the circumstances and the seasons of my life, that, that I get a front row seat in seeing Him do what He does best. I get a front row seat of seeing Him be a perfect, holy loving, unbeatable Heavenly Father. This is where David's leading this. And he's saying, hey, just follow me in that. Follow me into these incredible truths that God has. He knows you. He knows you better than anybody else. And He loves you. Our desire this week is to love God. Bye. Please stand with me. As we wrap up, let me make a couple things available. If you need prayer this morning, if you need prayer this morning, we want to pray with you. Um, Mackety and Mark, they'll be toward the back. They love to, to walk with you through some things. If maybe you've never given your heart to Jesus, you say, this is, this is where my disconnect is. Today would be a great day to take that next step. I love you guys. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you love us. We thank you that you care for us. And we thank you that you know us. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.